Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to the ILN talk show, uh, a free space to discuss different developments in Muslim majority countries and beyond. And today, this is the 10th episode, and we have uh, Mr. Ali Salman, the CEO of the Islam and Liberty Network, and I am Destiny Madris, the ILN Editorial Associate. And today, we're going to be talking about something uh, very recent uh, that took place in the, on the 22nd and the 23rd of March. It's the uh, OIC Council of Foreign Ministers. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the organization of Islamic cooperation uh, uh, meeting uh, between the foreign ministers of the 57 um, uh, Muslim countries. Um, it took place in, in Pakistan. Um, and Mr. Ali Salman is based in Pakistan. Um, and we're going to ask him about, you know, his um, his thoughts um, and comments on uh, what happened during these two um, uh, last days. And just, uh, you know, a general introduction about OIC. It's um, an intergovernmental, um, uh, you know, body that um, was founded in um, 19, uh, in, in 1969. Um, and uh, its members are the, uh, the 57 uh, Muslim um, countries that are Muslim majority countries. And... Um, it's recognized by the UN. And of course, we're actually interested in this in Ireland because we're basically talking about and focusing on the, the same things like developments um, in Muslim majority countries, um, liberty and um, religious freedom and um, everything that has to do uh, with Muslim majority uh, countries. So Mr. Ali Salman, welcome to the show again. Uh, the ninth episode was about you as well. Uh, so that's really interesting. Thank you for being my guest again. And um, any general thoughts and, and, and comments and key highlights about what you've seen during these two days uh, concerning the OIC Council of uh, Foreign Ministers? Thank you, Tasneem. Um, I think last time we talked about uh, the ideas in, in my book, but this this discussion we are having today is, is much more uh, on the current developments um, um, in, the, in the Muslim majority countries, um, as um, as far as uh, seen uh, by the governments of these uh, countries, uh, which may or may not reflect uh, what are the key challenges, I would say, of the Muslim majority societies. But um, but uh, having uh, looked at and going through the proceedings of last uh, two days of uh, deliberations and, and and speeches and and resolutions. Um, in the 48th session of OIC Council, um, I would like to, um, you know, sort of maybe uh, summarize uh, main messages uh, which have been um, communicated uh, by uh, various leaders um, and the Council um, itself. Uh, they talked about um, uh, the, the issue of Islamophobia. Uh, they they discuss the the situation in in Kashmir and Palestine. Uh, they talked about um, the humanitarian crisis um, in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, um, there was a special meeting a few months back in Islamabad as well, uh, in which they committed to make a, a trust fund. And uh, so there was a follow up discussion on Afghanistan uh, situation. Um, there was some reference also to discussion about uh, uh, you know the uh, you know vaccine vaccine uh, equity and and yes uh, there was also uh, a reference to the ongoing crisis 
uh, and, and war uh, between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, so these were the sort of main uh, discussion points uh, which emerged from the deliberations um, and resolutions of uh, OIC, but there were many other topics uh, like uh, the avenues of scientific uh, and economic cooperation between the Muslim majority countries. Uh, but that was sort of, uh, I think it, it was more secondary in nature. I have just summarized for you and uh, for those who are watching uh, the main themes which were discussed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there is a specific so is issue, which is um, uh, the Afghani issue. Um, there was um, a funding that was prepared um, to go to Afghanistan, and they discussed the uh, the uh, the Afghan the Afghanistan crisis. And I recall back in August, uh, end of August, early September of 2021, I was part of um, the um, you know the uh, the Islamic Cooperation Youth Forum that took place um, in Turkey, and and we discussed that. Uh, thoroughly as youth of um, of OIC. Uh, so, what was that like in in, in this summit? In, in sorry, in the OIC Council of, of Foreign Ministers, um, what was that about uh, as far as Afghanistan, the Afghani crisis is concerned? So, I think that they, uh, uh, it it is mostly to do the follow up on the announcement which they made last year uh, to make Afghanistan uh, focused uh, and dedicated uh, humanitarian trust fund which they have announced now it is operational uh, in with the cooperation of Islamic Development Bank. Uh, Government of Pakistan has committed um, $27 million towards that. Um, other countries are also uh, announcing uh, their, you know, their contributions to this, this fund. Who I see in Islamic Development Bank is going to um, establish, or I believe they have already an office in Kabul which will be the main coordinating mechanism of dispersal of these funds, largely focused on Afghanistan um, uh, situation. But in a, uh, uh, an ironical situation um, in this particular meeting uh, is that um, uh, while there was a lot of discussion about Afghanistan, Afghanistan, and there was a delegation also, but the Afghanistan's foreign minister did not attend that meeting. Uh, also, Iran's foreign minister did not attend that meeting, uh, this, this particular meeting. And um, same here. Uh, yeah. When I attended the uh, the youth forum, uh, Afghanistan uh, representative was not there, and it was at I the see. heart of the crisis back then. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's ironical. Um, I think that uh, that speaks of the dilemma, maybe in which the the governments of uh, OIC member countries uh, must be facing because uh, there is no official recognition of uh, the Taliban government yet. Um, mm -hmm. and, and while all uh, and the whole world is recognizing the humanitarian crisis, uh, there is obviously a reluctance on, uh, on part of uh, all major governments, including the OIC member countries, to actually recognize uh, the Taliban government because of the their past records on human rights and women rights. So, so that's a different discussion. But uh, having having said that, I think uh, as far as the fund is concerned, there was uh, progress, um, and we hope that this will be operationalized and uh, we'll, the funds will be available soon to assist uh, the uh, you know, the Afghanistan, Afghani yeah. people themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And that would be that, that would, be, would be channeled um, through the OIC uh, office in Kabul. That's right. That I understand they already had a, a focal uh, office, and also since the the UN agency is also working there, okay. uh, and they are busy in uh, providing relief uh, goods uh, yeah. to Afghanistan, uh, I believe that there should be a collaboration and coordination as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you talked about Islamophobia as um, as part of the agenda of this um, of this council, um, and we all know that Islamophobia is generally linked to um, to the West and to uh, and it happens um, to Muslims in Muslim minority countries, like not Muslim, sorry, but in in, in non-Muslim countries with minorities of, of Muslims. Um, and we all know that these countries are not part uh, of the OIC, like for example, India, uh, who, which has sought uh, to be a member for, for so long, but there was a reluctance um, in there. And it has 204 um, million Muslims. That's like, that makes it the third largest um, country that has Muslims in it. Well, many other countries are not recognized, are not part, official parts of OIC. Um, and there's Islamophobia there. And the OIC meetings in general talk about Islamophobia, but these countries are not there. So what do you make of that? That's an interesting question, um, and for uh, for many years, actually, um, India has desired to be accorded a status uh, as, as a member of OIC, uh, simply because it, it of course, um, has a, a large number of Muslim population. But um, this is and this would be understandable because of ongoing India and Pakistan tensions. Uh, this request was not granted, and it is. Um, difficult to see how it it will be uh, in the future but uh, i tend to agree with you that um, the the islam so there are two two maybe there are two aspects to this problem so one is whether islamophobia is just a problem in the west or it is also being observed in, in non western countries such as india but uh, maybe uh, china right and um, so mm -hmm. how 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 far this problem has been recognized um, in in these discussions about islamophobia and the second aspect of uh, this uh, discussion of Islamophobia, and, and by the way, we should recognize that uh, United Nations recently uh, announced that 15th March uh, would be a day to observe Islamophobia uh, every year. Uh, right. So this is a global recognition of a problem. And, um, um, you know, one can, one can appreciate that. But uh, uh, the, the point I wanted to make was uh, whether this uh, problem is consistent with the main mandate of OIC countries, which is obviously Muslim majority uh, countries where the Muslims uh, government uh, are, uh, are in the leadership position. Uh, so clearly Islamophobia is not a problem uh, in OIC itself. So in OIC member countries, we don't see uh, you know, in Indonesia and Morocco and Pakistan, Indonesia, Malaysia, Iran, Turkey, you name many countries, uh, you don't see that problem. There are there are other problems associated with the uh, understanding of Islam, such as radicalization. Yes. Uh, that's a different thing. Islamophobia, as, as understood in current context, um, is particularly based in, 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 in the West and, and more so in Europe, I believe. Uh, I don't know what is your opinion. Uh, and then in US, for instance, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, yes, I mean, that's a problem. So to focus on a problem which 
does not belong to the OIC uh, member countries itself is is quite ironical. And I, I think this takes away their attention from the key challenges of the, their societies, our societies, uh, the challenges of uh, poverty, the challenges of um, dictatorial or unconstitutional regimes, um, uh, the challenge of uh, conflicts. Um, uh, you know, interestingly, I would like to mention, and I like to refer to a speech by Pakistan's foreign minister, Shah Mahmood Qureshi, who recognized uh, rightfully that uh, almost two thirds of the current refugee population in the world uh, come from or um, are linked with the Muslim country. Yes. Uh, yes. So there are big question marks in the lands of the Muslim members of the OIC member countries themselves. And it seems that this attention is proper attention is not being made to that, to these mm -hmm. issues. Yeah. So just back on the point of, of Islamophobia, um, we know that the most famous Islamophobic act was um, recently done in India about the hijab ban, but no one talked about it in this meeting, right? No, there was no mention of it. This, this, this was this has not come out as a, as a major theme of the conference. I I haven't okay. seen it. Um, um, but uh, but hopefully in in uh, coming days when the detail about uh, the resolution would be available, we can mm -hmm. find a reference to it. But this was certainly not in the he headlines okay. which were covered in the media. Okay, but the Uyghurs were there, and the Turkish uh, foreign minister uh, spoke about the crisis, right? So yeah, that's that's another exception. I think uh, in general, uh, OIC uh, meeting. So first of all, this was the first time in which uh, Chinese foreign minister and a, a delegation from China was also attending the meeting okay. on the special invitation uh, of the host country, Pakistan. Mm -hmm. uh, officially, uh, Pakistan uh, Pakistani government does not recognize Igor as a problem. Yes. Um, uh, but in during this meeting, uh, the Turkish foreign minister, as you rightly said, mentioned that, and and uh, he said that we need to discuss this. But this not did not form this did not form the official uh, announcements or declarations from from OIC. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So back to what you said that you know the leaders are not necessarily talking about the problems within uh, the members uh, the country members of OIC. They're focusing their agendas on Islamophobia and stuff, whereas they should be talking about. Um, you know, problems within their countries like poverty and and, and economic problems. Um, what would you like to have them talk about um, instead? Like, what would be the ideal council agenda for the Council um, of Foreign Ministers uh, meeting for you as someone who was an expert in that and who followed uh, the recent um, council? So, I mean, of course, we are talking about a civil society perspective here, and um, I, I do recognize that the government policies uh, may not be consistent, uh, especially because uh, in um, most of the member countries, uh, we don't have uh, representative governments, uh, unfortunately. And when we don't have the representative governments, um, um, then we have this problem, sort of, then, you know, we have, like, there's billions of Muslims who are whose whose aspirations and whose uh, challenges and whose potential is not properly reflected uh, by by their government, 
in as a citizen of a of a, of a OIC member country myself, um, and also as a, of course as CEO of um, our organization Islam Liberty Network, I would like to uh, mention that we need to recognize uh, first of all uh, the issue of um, uh, you know the religious and civic freedoms, um, which um, are hard to found, hard to be find in um, in, in uh, most of Muslim majority countries. Uh, freedom of expression, uh, freedom of of religion. Uh, I think that's an important. Uh, that's one of the fundamental rights, uh, and that's recognized uh, by Islam, of course, but also by by UN conventions. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Secondly, I would like to say that um, many countries um, are still shy away of embracing any form of representative governments. Um, so we we have uh, democracy in some countries, uh, and uh, I, I'd like to recognize that uh, many, like largely populous Muslim majority countries, have already adopted democratic regimes. Mm -hmm. uh, you think of Indonesia, think of Bangladesh, think of Pakistan. Um, I think of Turkey, um, but obviously, uh, almost all the Arab bloc is 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 not included in part of the uh, democratic um, uh, systems. Uh, we have uh, we have had shining example from Tunisia uh, post Arab Spring, uh, but um, you know maybe you can th throw more light on it. Uh, but since last one year or so. Uh, the constitution, the parliament over there is suspended. And uh, so that's another challenge. Uh, that's the sec second important challenge. Mm -hmm. and, and thirdly, um, and you know, we can discuss about the order, by the way. Uh, but thirdly, I would like to mention the, the, the economic issues, the issues of uh, unemployment, the issues of uh, poverty, the issues of um, uh, in a job, uh, in a pr not having enough productive jobs, uh, despite having, or maybe some would say, due to uh, an over reliance on natural resources. Um, I was in uh, Tunisia last uh, last week, and I um, witnessed, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, so many young people uh, doing uh, temporary jobs in the streets, uh, not not doing. An, as per their educational qualification, or maybe the economy was not is not productive enough to uh, to create uh, the, these meaningful jobs in which they can earn, um, uh, you know, a, a respectable and reliable income. So, um, so I didn't see that uh, discussed, uh, and I would like to see much and more focus on on these issues, uh, which are common. Uh, uh, look at, for instance, the trade. If you look at the trade issues, yes, there is always a talk shop of oh, OIC members should increase their intra, um, uh, you know, trade. Mm -hmm. But um, the trade does not follow any religion, right? So trade follows uh, comparative advantage, and trade yeah. follows yeah. Uh, the the fact that how how much you can produce and what you can produce, and whether it is competitive or not, and who who wants that basically. So that kind of uh, that kind of thinking is is, is missing, um, and particularly in in the countries which have historically been uh, relied on natural resources um, and agricultural resources, um, we mm -hmm. we find that that transformation has not occurred, and, and not enough discussion is is being made in um, 
in our countries on these issues. You know, ironically enough, the theme of this uh, 48th um, session is partnering for unity, justice and development, which which is really suggestive of an economic cooperation or suggestive of a talk about you know, strengthening the trade between the, you know, IOC uh, member countries or, but, but it's not there. They, as you said, uh, this, this is really missing in, in their, in their agenda. Uh, but what you just said now, you, you would like to have more talk about economy. That's something that we all would like to have. And it's possible regardless of the nature of, um, you know, the political situation in, in these countries. But you talked about also that, um, you know, we're missing um, talking about, you know, there's some dictatorship there. There's some, you know, like like Tunisia, for example, um, you know, the, the parliament was, um, you know, suspended and many other issues in, in OIC countries, um, politically speaking. But the average citizen would ask, okay, they can talk about economy, but how can they address the political issues when those who are meeting are the foreign ministers or sometimes, you know, the sessions of prime ministers of OIC members? These are representing those political regimes. So how can can we expect from them to criticize the political regime, regimes they're, they're representing? That's like a simple question that the average citizen of any OIC member country would, would, would ask. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, I think that the, the fact that these meetings should be used uh, for not, not for criticizing others, as the implied debate on Islamophobia seems to suggest, and, and mm -hmm. This should be um, a forum where we are discussing the, we're doing a self-assessment, we're doing, okay, um, uh, you know, how society is progressing. What are What is the private sector approach to this? There is hardly any private sector in these meetings. So yeah. you're right uh, that uh, we can include more private sector in, in such meetings in the future. Maybe at least the on-ground challenges faced by these countries can be further highlighted. Um, because um, as we have seen, uh, these are you know, these are uh, sort of cut off from the ground realities. Because uh, yeah, the governments unfortunately are um, are not you know deeply in engaged, and, and and in many cases they are not representing the spirit of the. Um, and the challenges of the societies which they represent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is the feeling some of us have when they follow these kind of summits. Like these leaders are trying to exteriorize the problems and talk about things they don't have. They they don't really control. Like Islamophobia, for example, they condemn it and it's good, but they're not they're not talking about something within their area of expertise. Expertise, you know. So that's the feeling um, we get sometimes. Um, and following on that point, there was a very interesting statement made by Imran Khan, the Prime Minister of, of Pakistan, when he talked about how, um, you know, he said that, uh, I quote, um, we, we have failed uh, Kashmir and, and, and Pakistan, and, and he said that, uh, sorry, and Palestine, and, um, and he felt sad about that. And this statement got the international attention and many Muslims, um, you know, appreciated it because he was, of course, stating the truth. Um, but the thing is, um, these while we appreciate these things uh, said and admitted by world leaders, we also, we also expect them to act upon these things because we are the ones as citizens who could, you know, describe the situation, but they are in a position of acting out and, and finding solutions. So um, what do you make of that? 
Yeah, I mean, this is this is true. The, the, this was the headline. Um, uh, but then uh, I think the prime minister was not uh, disclosing a secret, right? Um, and it's 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 well known. Uh, but I would I would like to take a step further, and I like to say, okay, what is the solution which have been outlined? Right? So before the action, what are the positions, and and whether there is a complete agreement and understanding on these issues? So there was some some. For instance, on Kashmir issue, uh, okay, so on, on Palestine issue, so there is a, I think, uh, a consensus, already a consensus mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the Muslim countries, right? Uh, that yeah. uh, mm -hmm. this is issue of, of illegal uh, occupation um, by Israel and, and, and Palestinian people uh, are not getting their due, due rights uh, in terms of their land, in terms of their livelihood. So that is uh, a recognized uh, problem already not by just the Muslim countries, but also by the world leaders. Um, there have been several international uh, you know, discussions and, and agreements uh, leading to different kinds of solutions. So that, that's there. Uh, there was some further movement on, the, on Kashmir because on Kashmir, actually, there is no united uh, voice, uh, to be very frank. Uh, so because India is a huge economy and, and many countries uh, has uh, many countries in the world, uh, including Arab countries have deep interest in, in India. Uh, so um, uh, bringing Kashmir as, as a discussion on these international forum would upset uh, Indian government. Uh, so actually uh, we have not seen a similar level of consensus uh, in, in on Kashmir. But, but this time we, we saw a statement by OIC Secretary General that uh, yes, we need to discuss Kashmir more seriously. Uh, uh, there was a, a you know a, another irony we would like to, we are discussing many ironies today. But one one interesting thing was, was happening that uh, while the in Islamabad this meeting was going on, in those very days uh, there was an investment conference in the Indian. Um, uh, held Kashmir, uh, which is now called illegally occupied Kashmir, um, uh, of uh, foreign investors and, and investors from UAE and uh, Saudi Arabia was there, uh, and also some other countries. Uh, so they were looking for investment opportunities in Indian Kashmir from these countries, while in Islamabad, which is maybe a two hours flight from Kashmir um, or less, uh, we were talking about um, United Voice on Kashmir. So, so obviously there's a big gap there, and uh, there's a lot of work to be um, to be to be done. Uh, uh, so, so they, we we saw some progress, but I'm not sure how how seriously it will be taken, frankly, in the long run. Yeah, so these kind of powerful statements, we often see them, whether by OIC leaders or even at the UN, they would just go to the podium and, you know, just, um, you know, talk powerfully about so many things. And, 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 then, and then that's it. So back to my question again. Um, do you do you feel like the, the importance of these um, international bodies, whether it's the UN, of course, we're not talking about that now, but OIC, um, the reason why it was founded is to bring, uh, you know, the Muslim Ummah 
together, as we can say, uh, and also talk about minorities um, in the West and elsewhere and act upon, you know, what they talk about. So um, as a final question, probably, do you see like um, any progress in that as far as actions are concerned? Of course, you know, saying the truth, as Amran Khan said, is important, but we need to follow up on that. Do you see any any hope uh, as far as actions are concerned? I, I think... I think there is a, as a need of a major reset of this whole agenda of OIC, frankly speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, it, is a, it, is, it is an agenda driven by crisis. Okay. There is no uh, goal or vision of uh, constructive nature in these meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go back in 1969, um the crisis in, in Masjidaksa, right? Yeah. So and 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 then we have other sort of major uh, benchmarks um uh in, in Palestine in, in Bosnia and whenever a crisis takes place whenever there's there. a crisis yeah. uh, okay we we hear, we hear about uh, OIC now uh, you know you you briefly mentioned about uh, Bosnia and in, in we, we need to recognize that in in, in Bosnia war Mm -hmm. uh, U.S. and U.N. and NATO was actually helpful in uh, resolving that crisis uh, militarily when it was needed. Um, and um, so, uh, you know, we need to recognize that, yes, maybe OIC countries were there uh, symbolically, but uh, it, the, the real action was done by uh, universal, uh, by, by other uh, countries or by a universal understanding. And that is something very important that, uh, I think OIC and, and, and we Muslims, but also OIC need to adopt, uh, need to understand these issues from a universal angle, yeah. uh, from yeah. a human rights angle. Right? So it's not a question of just a uh, uh, Kashmiri Muslim uh, being persecuted or a Bosnia or uh, you know, Muslim in China being persecuted, but also elsewhere, uh, whenever we see aggression, whenever we see injustice, whenever we see oppression, uh, poverty, conflict, um, you know, we should speak out. And that is the idea of, of course, Islam as a global uh, religion. And when we talk about Ramadanul Alameen or Rabbul Alameen, we refer to this universal understanding of our, of our deen. Uh, mm -hmm. but, um, uh, but on the other hand, when we look at the, these celebrations here, we, in OIC, we don't see that universal uh, appeal. And, and that reduces the seriousness of the forum, mm -hmm. uh, to be honest, uh, in an international eye. And uh, that is some that is something needs to be changed. Uh, and, and that positioning, so that is a repositioning which is needed. Uh, much before action and much before uh, any implementation, uh, we need to reposition the whole organization, um, which is representing uh, universal uh, universally held values, which Islam also has uh, always uh, stood for, is inspired uh, when we talk about um, uh, you know, the peace and, and, and justice and, and tolerance. And, and that's, that's what we stand for. And that's what we uh, hope uh, that uh, uh, current or future leadership uh, within the OIC uh, can, uh, can consider. It will only happen. I think it will open only happen. This name, if um, if the leadership in these countries are more and more representative of the societies 
countries they represent. We're coming from, absolutely. And we're back to the political idea. We're back to the political point. Because <laughs> they need right. to... Yeah. We, can't escape. we can't escape that, yeah. Absolutely. So, so while I think the conclusion of this um, of this discussion would be, while we recognize the, you know, the importance of such a body for the Muslim Ummah, we call for maybe a revision of its agenda and, uh, you know, a more powerful stance, uh, um, you know, of its leaders. Um, and it wouldn't just be, uh, you know, meetings upon any crisis. It should be something regular with a with a clear vision. That's that would not, be not just I mean just a small correction not just powerful uh, mm -hmm. because they have been talking about power and in unity for all the time yeah. I'm I, I've emphasized more universal uh, approach in their vision uh, and more inclusive approach in their discussion and and a more sort of humble and inward looking assessment of their own societies these Absolutely. things are totally missing in the OIC deliberations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Um, I hope that our viewers enjoyed um, this session as much as I did and um, looking forward to uh, having you again in, uh, in the Ireland Talk Show. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Ali Sama. Thank you, Tasneem. All right. Uh, thank you for all the viewers and see you soon in another um, episode. Goodbye.